and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore of the Old World, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber, and I know fuck all about Warhammer. Balls. With me is my co-host, Christopher Kralin Allen. Yeah, I almost said yellow, and then I almost said hi. Uh, hi. I'll, I'll go with hi. Hi there. Yeah. <laughs> Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And my dear brother, Darren. I'm back, bitches and bitchettes. Who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. I feel like I'm rushing those intros now to try and get through them with as minimal disruption as possible. And failing. And failing. It's, it's I'm working. just wondering. Lean into it, mate. Uh, Lean into it. At which point are we, you're just going to resort to pre-recorded intros. It's quite, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it'll just be like one of those like text, uh, text-to-speech generators online. Like, <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, Let's employ AI. AI is in vogue at the moment, isn't it? Should we see how we can implement AI into the, uh, into the show? Yeah, ma'am. Yeah, I've given it a try in terms of generating a script. It does not work. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does not work. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that's a great disclaimer. You know, this is real human stuff, man. There's no bareback, yeah. baby. <laughs> Humanity <laughs> first. <laughs> Ger- Germanity. Germanity. What? Yeah. It's a script written by gerbils, read by humans. Um, it's interesting you went the gerbil route here. Yeah. <laughs> right well isn't that a thing in um, Mortal Kombat gerbality where you attack someone they turn into a gerbil yes <laughs> my- yes it is yeah 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 that's exactly what it is Darren yeah <laughs> Armageddon Armageddon <laughs> Armageddon oh. Armageddon out of here ah. <laughs> uh, right Kral you know what time it is. Hello, Reichland. It's time for Sarat's Abu Recap. So I'm just going to quickly Google something. Because <laughs> I'm pretty prepared we... for this little bit here. Let, let's see go. what Google brings up. What did we record last time? <laughs> last the... episode. Lore episode. Oh, it just comes up with our website. Well, that's a bit of a disappointment. There you go. Well, thankfully, I had a journal of knowledge of what we talked about. It was the first episode of The Elves. Um, and I've just thought of a great game to introduce ben, or invite Ben to get involved. So I, don't, I can do cover it. up the fact that I can't really remember too much about the last episode. We did talk about Ulthuan, the, the home of the elves, and the ambiguous origin of the elves as well, didn't we? It's not sure exactly where they originated from, how long they've been around, because Darren's just keeping that one close to his chest for some reason. No, <laughs> yeah, we, we so, know exactly where they were from. They came down on an asteroid on spores or something like that? Or a fungal-based <laughs> life form? <laughs> oh, you're talking about their origins, not the place where they first called home. Carry on, my mistake. Both, really. Good segue. <laughs> Both. <laughs> They're from the old world. That's where they were advanced or evolved. It was okay. in the old world. Yeah. But they were taken from the old world and put on Ulthuan. And yeah. then they did some... 
possibly some jiggery pokery with them. Well, I don't. I believe that's called sexual assault, Ben. But we'll yeah. draw a veil. <laughs> Show me on the doll with a massive magical frog touched you. <laughs> Ribbit. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, Burn my eyes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, land of Althorn, uh specifically created for the the Ra elves by the old ones. Um, so that they could take care of business and uh, basically clean up the shit that the old ones from the the mess the old ones made by collapsing the polar gates. And they're like, "Oops, hey elves, you want a job? You want a job? It's a fantastic <laughs> place to live. The only caveat is it's heaven on earth. You just got to deal with hell, which is pouring into the planet. Simple. Yeah. So yeah, and you've got and like I've kind of big of- mountains that just filter demons. Just you know, just occasional. We've, yeah." A sprinkling a few, of demons. A f- uh, yeah, exactly. Just just a couple of little minor caveats. You've got places which are out of space and time. You've got uh, uh, mountains which channel chaotic energy into here. You've got sea beasts surrounding you and stuff. Apart from that, it's fantastic. It's yeah, peachy. Yeah. And the less said about the floating isles, the better. That's it. That's it. So I've just created a new game called Inny or Outy. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to love this. Oh, this is going to be a great game. (laughs) I'm going to name... I have visualized immediately what this game is. I know exactly what it is. Ah, Let's go. I'm going to name a region, and you're going to tell tell us if it's in the Inner Kingdoms or the Outer Kingdoms. Oh, so it's not celebrities who are innies or outies. Uh, we could do that too. We could do that I too. Have I have misunderstood. I have misunderstood. Apologies, listeners. <laughs> right, okay, go. Go. Okay, I'm cool. Ready. Calador. I think Calador was. Is. Is. You got 50 50 chance. It was about halfway there. through our description, if I remember correctly. No, it was it was at the end. It was like the, the la- It was one of the last places we talked. Oh, well, you've you've answered that. Then it's in the Inner Kingdoms, isn't it? Hey, hey nice. And what's Calador known for? Um, it's the it's dragons, isn't it? It's where all the dragons. It the, it's the dragons. That's it's right. the dragons. Well Interestingly, Calador and Eighteen are the two Inner Kingdoms that also are technically. Outer Kingdoms, because they have a southern coast as well, facing onto the uh, so they're what the, we would refer to. They're the pinchy they're the, bits of a crab's claw of the cross on the, the thinner, the, the thinner, the thinner almost conjoined bits of the cross on. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Region number two: Inny or Outy Ben Tyrannoch. Tyrannoch was Tyrannoch. Tyrannoch was the Why one. Why are you looking at your screen, Ben? I'm looking at the recording. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, the recording is me- mesmerizing. Um, I'm looking at this giant map I have. Turnock just reminds me of dinosaurs. Um, In what way? I think there's a game, a video game that has dinosaurs in it that sounds Turok. like Turnock. Turok, that's the one. That's yeah. why I'm thinking of dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, right, yeah. o- outer. I, I don't know. It is outer. I, yes, I think it was the place which was mostly destroyed. That's right. What's left of it. Is Hold on, like it's the, it's on the one that's got all the chariots, but it's only got ten percent of the land. Yeah. Yes. 
It's basically oh. it's uh, the the elite charioteers doing uh, wheelies or doing uh, donuts in the car park that is their kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, any or outy, trace, 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 spelled C H R A C E, trace. I'm going to say it was. I think we did it early. I think that's the outer kingdoms. Oh, that's three for three. Well done. Well oh, done. And him. what was special about life? It was... Rawr. Was it? Oh, it was the White Rawr. Lions. I was just about to say the that, White and then Lions, you said Rawr. Rawr. Yes, Rawr. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> including, <laughs> also, including chariots pulled by lions. Ridden by lions. Four lions. Is this the Ulthuran Defense League? Ulthuran. <laughs> yeah. Four lions by lions. <laughs> <laughs> you bastards. Okay, I think let's just do one more. Um, okay, I'll throw you a curveball here. Barry. Oh, it's um, it's it's Ivrice, uh, isn't it? It's the Shifting Isles. Yeah, it's Ivrice. And it's Alta. Well done. Four for four. Good lad. Good lad. That's got to be the very best. Misty, very, yeah, very misty. Very yeah. misty. Very islandy. Very floaty. Very islandy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then one pop quiz question. Well done. Four for four in the innie or outy quiz. Here we go. Where do the sea elves come from, Ben? Ooh. Oh. Um, Which is region? Kothik. Kothik. Yes. And is that an innie or an outy? Yes. Is Kothik an innie or an outy? Oh, we covered that quite early, didn't we? So I'm going to say out, outer, outer, outer. Well done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. It helps that we listen to this for QC as well, doesn't it? Really, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It really yeah, does. Yeah. It's just luck of the draw as to whether you know we've done the QC close to the next recording, which in this exactly clearly exactly. we have. So. So you got innies, you got outies, you got the inner sea. I guess the Isle of the Dead is probably worth a mention where you get the big sinkhole for all the chaos stuff. It's drawn through yeah. and who knows what where about, it ends up. What was on the two islands above and below that crown? Uh, above and below the Isle of the Dead? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's two lots, islands. On the Isle, on the, is it lang- longitude or latitude? Longitude is up and down, north to south. Is that right? No idea. Well, it was on one of the, the, the ley lines, that's what they said. Okay. Are you referring to the city of Lothan, the capital city? Is that one of them? No. So between Lothan and the Isle of the Dead, there's an island. Yeah. And then between okay. the Isle of the Dead and the southern coast of the northern part of the island, there's another island. Not a there's lots southern. of them. I'm looking at the map now. I mean, take your break. There's the Vale, there's Everspring's, there's Moonspire, there's Evershale, there's the Mirror Woods. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean. are t- there are two islands that have shrines to the shrine of Azurian. That's one. Azurian, and then yeah. There's south. Azurian. Azurian. And then there's Azurian, the female yeah, yeah. Uh, goddess of the pantheon. Oh, didn't even have the respect to learn her name. Outrageous. I didn't even know the guy's name, so I'm. I'm it's a pretty. My ignorance is full of quality. <laughs> Sheila. The shrine of Sheila. Yeah. Sheila, man. It's uh, Shrine of Sheila. <laughs> I think that'll do for a recap, I think. We did all right. Yeah, that was, that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed okay. that. Okay, what's, yeah, it, what's on the Blighted Isle? Blighty stuff. The Blighted Isle. 
where is the blighter dial? What is a blighter dial? <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're getting into book report kingdom. It's very... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This what is a book. A... It's got words. Many, <laughs> many, many pages. <laughs> it used to be a tree many yeah. moons ago. When um, reading this blight... book, I asked myself, what is a book? <laughs> <laughs> um, can you... The blighter dial. Where, where is it geographically? At the top. It's one of the northernmost um, reaches of Ulthuin. Is it this? Was it that? Was that where the sundering happened? Nope. Is it uh, the uh, Shrine of Cain? You totally googled that, didn't you? You sort of mate. I'm looking at a map right here. I'm not making. Yeah, he already told you he's <laughs> looking at map. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I need all the assistance I can get. Oh dear. Right, fine. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it is like when a map maker reads a map and someone goes, how the hell does he know that? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We should let that one hang. Don't tell us what's on the blighted aisle. Don't answer it. Let's just get on with the show. Let's just, let's just, let's just let our imagination run wild. Is is, is Is it the Shrine of Cain? Yes, Captain Google. I saw your <laughs> shoulders moving. Crowd just said it. I, I, I he was reading it. I just, a map. He was honest about it. Well, he can't then turn around to <laughs> be like, let's just leave it unsaid, that unanswered. Like, well, no, he dude, didn't confirm or deny it. it. It's like it's like I'm <laughs> not even did. fucking here. He's just like, I said, <laughs> fucking did. It's the shrine of Cain. You've ruined that, Crowd. You've ruined that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's ruined it, Ben. Sure. Let's just leave it unanswered. Let's just leave it unanswered. Nobody needs to know. Let's just let's just back away from the microphones. Um, I thought we'd look at the entire history of the High Elves. Wow! Yay! Part one. (laughs) Part one. (laughs) I thought I'd leave a long enough space just to go. Part one. (laughs) Ulthuin, as we have uh, intimated last episode existed before the collapse of the Polar Gates. So we're talking uh, Ulthuin and Elves pre, and Chris is already yawning, pre- Yawn. Um, 56, <laughs> yeah, 5600 BS. So we have uh, uh, if what is effectively paradise on a planet. Uh, the closest thing you can get to heaven, uh, but still, you know, indulge yourself. Uh, in terrestrial goodness so yeah this is the the kind of classic atlantean style idea of high magic uh high technology technology being in quotes so you've got the realms of like floating islands on top of floating islands you've got the kind of great communication between the old ones, the lizard people, the slan, and the elves. This is when the elf language of Altharan comes into being, which is uh, a low version of the lizard men or the language of the old ones. They have technology which would not be out of place in the worlds of 40k. And indeed, in the sixth edition of um, uh, Warhammer Fantasy, there was a campaign uh, where you came across, not literally, the Isle of Albion, kind of fantasy Britain. Of Albumen. Albumen, yeah. <laughs> Come across my Isle of Albumen. <laughs> Ew. 
but in that campaign, you had access to what is effectively power swords and um, las guns and power gloves, uh, 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 the kind of fantasy equivalent of those technologies from 40k. So very much kind of um, high What's the technology equivalent of a las gun. Uh, a kind of staff that shoots a laser. Some of these you can work out yourself, Chris. Mm, you think so? <laughs> no, we can't. You think no, so? <laughs> this all, of course, comes to an end with the collapse of the uh, polar gates. The old ones have gone, and there in place is this kind of tailor-made island set up on geomantic kind of ley lines, which unleashed, of course, hell on Earth, that we've described this before in our um, first five episodes, the summary of Warhammer. In terms of its impact on Ulthuin, it, um, it absolutely decimated the populace. Ulthuin was a, a bustling uh, kind of metropolis of elves, most of which ended up dying, being impaled by various extremities of various demons. Um, Yay. They oh, had... sorry, wrong <laughs> Yay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what was left, unfortunately, was a collection of kind of survivor mentality uh, elves who were really only armed with spears and bows and had no and none of the advanced technology and can do attitude. <laughs> and some Spunk. peas... Uh, and some albumin yeah no no spunk as in spirit as in gumption as in a go-get-em attitude that's absolutely right they were able to throw their liquid spirit at people that's what uh (laughs) that's what saved the elves don't they call that the spider (laughs) (laughs) gross sploosh (laughs) sploosh This is getting very, very 13-year-old secondary school. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's, let's, Release yeah. the blamange arrows, yeah. yes, and so on. Um, <laughs> through this uh, process of annihilation, the elves got what I would like to call sad and didn't really see a future for themselves. They, were, they and the rest of the world was fighting a losing battle. Uh, you will recall that the dwarves exist at this time, proto-humans exist at this time, but they're very much kind of uh, barbaric tribes, like Conan the Barbarian, uh, but if they were all librarians. Conan the Librarian, if you will. Um, <laughs> they... <laughs> the Greenskins, of course, were there, and they were just looking for a nice fight, uh, as you would do as kind of comforting uh, for them. This period of annihilation and hell lasted a mere 1,200 years uh, on the planet. Blink of a demon's eye. The solution for the elves uh, came about when a young warrior named Anarion decided one day to go, fuck this for a bag of noise. Um, or a bag of albumin, and headed (laughs) uh, as he could, as fast as he could, to the the shrine of Azurian, or Azurian, as I have previously been calling him. It should be pointed out here that these gods existed before the collapse of the Polar Gates, which means that at some point between the elves' creation uh, uh, or advancement by the old ones, 
they went from being kind of uh, worshippers of the old ones to being worshippers of dedicated elven gods, which touches on a larger topic of how does a god become a god in the world of Warhammer? Are they just brought into belief Mm. uh, by the kind of uh, totality of a civilization? Or do they all form under the same process or form by the same process as uh, Sigmar did, where yes. uh, someone demonstrates, okay, well, I'm glad well, that's that answers we'll that. Move on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not, okay, Thanks, you're Chris. not actually asking us, okay, fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, remind us how Sigmar became a god. He just fucked off, didn't he, one day? He was like, I'm yes, human, he... I'm gone, I'm back, I'm a god. I don't yeah. know I was doing and tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be <laughs> Sigma. <Stemigod. laughs> Sigma. Yeah. Do you go from mortal to demigod and then to full god, or are you just brought into being as a god, as were the chaos gods? The, yes. Right, the oh, four sorry. slash five great yeah. uh, douchebags of the Warhammer universe. With Sigmar being a god, so he was he was he was a human. And then he became yep. a demigod and was still kind of about and you know king. And then he became. Then he just fucked off. Then he was worshipped as a god. And I, I think we actually touched on this topic in the forty k podcast about how we did, yeah, consensually, yeah, <laughs> consensually about how like whether these entities are real. And we know that they're real because they're specifically stated as being real entities in the lore. Or are they just in the minds and the belief of the characters within uh, within the setting? Because does 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 Sigmar actually have a presence as a god? Yes. In the does he? How does he influence? How does that influence appear? Uh, shadow puppets. <laughs> <laughs> just, he flashes himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, for everyone listening, Chris just did amazing um, uh, shadow puppet of a prolapsed anus. (laughs) (laughs) It was a sad giraffe by the looks of it. Um, Yeah, so how does does Sigmar present? Uh, Dreams, portents, uh, gift vouchers, the the real, it runs the gamut of, uh, of things. It's mostly done through dreams and visions. Uh, right. If you'll recall from when the Grand Theogenist, before uh, sending out uh, Felix Mann to uh, interrupt the vampire nap, he was given a vision. Now, to be fair, we have revealed that that was from Manfred, but mm. he accepted it as a vision from Sigmar because he would have received visions from Sigmar before. Does Sigmar ever present like does it is it ever anything other than um kind of guidance for the populace does he ever appear as a bolt of lightning and take out a significant enemy does he ever Uh, he he's more like he more imbues people with aspects of his power like you see a lot of warrior priests you know for our DD playing friends those are the angry sigmar clerics or paladins uh, and they certainly um, are used as a channel for his authority, uh, which worst movie I ever watched. Um, <laughs> they... <laughs> but he, he doesn't manifest as an individual being. He acts through uh, others. Okay. Okay. 
so taking it back to Ulthuin, uh, Anarian arrives at the shrine of Azurian or Azurian and is prepared to sacrifice himself to ensure the uh, success of his people, um, now the success of the elven race. And he is the very first person to walk through, well, very first recorded person to walk through the flame of Azurian. And as he walks through, he is charcoal briquetted. As the magical godlike fire of uh, Azurian purges all the kind of lesser elements of of, of an Aryan uh, from existence, burns away and purifies him and his flesh and his hair and so on. It's an indescribable amount of pain, which I will attempt to describe, not so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so an Aryan walks, manages to kind of stumble forward. So he completes the process. He Starts on one side, uh, gets to the middle where he is consumed by fire, and then stumbles forward. Uh, and when he emerges from the flames on the other side, he is a clean-limbed, uh, effectively, you know, super elf, um, super imbued as he is with the power of Azurian. Does he come out in his birthday suit? Then is he is he is he butt naked with his dingle dangle hanging out? <laughs> Who else have dingle dangles? Uh, <laughs> Just a bow tie. That's all he's wearing. A bow tie and a pair of marigolds. <laughs> <laughs> and one welly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm ready. Let's I'm your king baby. now. <laughs> Imagine being led he, by that person. <laughs> <laughs> so he becomes the first Phoenix King. There was never a Phoenix King before that time. Mr. Ben, when he walked through the flame, was that a thing that he would see the first person to ever do that? First recorded person to ever do that, yes. How did he know that that was a thing that he could do? He didn't. He was prepared to sacrifice his life for the uh, to ensure the safety of the elven race. That of backfired the hard, didn't it? He's like, I'm going to end it all. So like the night before, he just goes on an absolute bender, <laughs> yeah, kisses, yeah, kisses yeah. his sister, spends all his life savings, gets loads <laughs> of credit cards. I'm just going to jump into this flame and it doesn't even matter. Oh, I'm king now. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm butt naked with a pair of rubber gloves. I'm sorry, did I miss a part of the story? Was he he was trying to kill himself? He was he was He was uh, sacrificing or... himself. He wasn't trying to kill himself, although sacrificing yourself does involve making sure that you die. Um yes. <laughs> to to what sorry, to what end? I must have missed that. Yeah, he was sacrificing he... himself to the god so that his people would, you know, for the elven race that they would uh, continue. See. I and see. that was the terms and conditions. That's what he thought was going to happen. Who did he it's strike that bargain yeah. 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 So he was like, if I walk into this fire, I die, and then you guys take care of my guys. That's what he yeah. thought was happening. Yeah. And they were like, ha-ha, joke's on you. Now you take care of your guys. Now you're responsible for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some washing up liquid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice marigolds, brah. <laughs> so he, yes, as I say, he becomes the first Phoenix King. Up until that exact moment, Ulthuin and the High Elves, or Elves as they were known back then, had only ever been ruled by the Ever Queen. Uh, they had been not um, a matriarchal society, but there had been a matriarchy in terms of their rulership. 
and everything was fine. And then they got a bloke in charge and <laughs> shit just yeah. never the same. Well, d- d- technically everything was fine. Then everything was hell. And then a bloke took over. Classic. Although technically not ish really. So I don't want to get in your emails. Fucking solve your own problems. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> of course, the forces of chaos, uh, sensing that this was going to happen, took umbrage and immediately attacked the shrine of Azurian, which Anarian and his followers defended, invigorated as he was with the power of uh, Azurian. Of marigolds. Marigolds. Of marigolds. So he gave them a proper scrubbing. Uh, while keeping his flesh and his fingers wrinkle-free. <laughs> Lather well, up, t- baby. No, not not really though, because it's still you know if you wear them for long enough, it's like being in a bath for an hour. Do you know what I mean? You'd still come out a bit, <laughs> bit wrinkly, bit wrinkly. Yeah, but you'd be protected. You wouldn't get any uh, dish-based STDs on your fingers. Yeah, you'd be sud-free. Yeah. So, uh, every- hey, everyone, wrap it up. If there's one message to take from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's that suds are bad. Suds, Guess who suds our are sponsors bad. are? <laughs> <laughs> we we choose marigolds. <laughs> Marigold is the uh, is the dark reflection of um, Jemima, <laughs> the minor yeah. mind mimer, who has not had a mention in this podcast for quite a while. Let me just say that. Uh. It's, she she just works her magic in the background. That's that's fine. Also, recorded history for the elves starts from that time, from uh, when he barbecues himself for the sake of elf kind. Uh, that becomes the first year of the rule of the first Phoenix King. So, elven kind of history is recorded uh, in the name of the ruler and the year of their rule. Um, so with Anarian, it's not a particularly long rule, but it's the first eighty years of uh, Elven history. So is it? So is it A one to A eighty? That kind of idea, although they do have a habit of using his full name. <laughs> That's a weird habit. <laughs> it's a weird habit. <laughs> Could get confusing with the next king is called, you know, Arthur. It's like still <laughs> a A U one. A. <laughs> Over the next year, uh, Anarian recruits as many elves to the kind of warrior cause as possible. And they begin reclaiming the kind of southern kingdoms of Ulthuin, not without losses. It's, you're, you know, you're fighting the entire contents of hell. So it, it does take a while. Anarian makes his way to the kingdom of Kalador, which Ben correctly identified as a, a, it's an innie and outie kingdom, roughly... Half past six to eight o'clock on a clock uh, is on a, where. On a croissant. Uh, oh no! Yes, on on yeah. a croissant. Yeah, you're right. Croissant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is then um, kind of not anointed, but recognised as the chosen of Azurian by the uh, great leader of calador dragon tamer yes his name is the same as his kingdom as if it wasn't fucking confusing enough oh wow right that's his act calador is his actual first name yeah fucking mr c dragon tamer we'll call him from now on (laughs) (laughs) call him calador 
We'll call it Kralador. Kralador, I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Kralador. Kralador Puppy Tamer. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, um, what did Atharian do to prove that he was um, the chosen one? Well, he rocked up naked except for marigolds and a welly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know who I am. Jazz hands. He was radiating the kind of ethereal power of um of Azurian and was able to kind of demonstrate he smelt like a king. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're he doesn't smell like shit. <laughs> yeah. Well he's not covered in shit, is he? <laughs> During this time when he his visit to uh Calador Kralador Puppy Tamer really became his BFF <laughs> during that time. Uh, and so he was uh, not necessarily gifted, but introduced to a great dragon in Drognir, was the dragon's name. I haven't just had a stroke. Uh, and it's that became. Kralnir. No. Incra- no. You've taken it too <laughs> far. Too You've gone too far now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Your narcissism knows no bounds. <laughs> so that became Anarian steed for the rest of his life. They then fly. Um, maybe they've got their own dragons. It'd be weird riding someone else's dragon to <laughs> Vol's anvil, which is this great shrine uh, poking out the uh, kind of bottom of the kingdom of Calador, where not only does um, the dragon tamer, uh, forge Anarian's armor, this almost impervious armor, nothing can get through it. Um, but a great many weapons uh, and, uh, well, no, just weapons and suits of kind of Ithilmar armor, Ithilmar weapons, and so on, that um, become kind of tied to the noble houses of Ulthuin as they uh, go through the ages. And indeed, to this day, to present day in Warhammer, ownership of one of those weapons brings with it the title of prince. So the kind of lordship over land... What? Even Even if if you you steal steal it. If you're recognized as the owner of it, you can call yourself prince or be referred to as prince. So from that point on, the kind of great war against chaos uh, begins, where they try and clear out both the inner and outer kingdoms of Ulthuan uh, and defend their kind of uh, fortress island, uh, which is constantly under siege by uh, the forces of chaos. This is done with the kind of great glittering hosts of... um, Anarian, who are uh, clad and armed in the weapons produced by Kalidor, and also the great dragon riders uh, of um, Kalidor. Sorry, I don't a dramatic pause. I don't know why. I don't know why there was a dramatic <laughs> of? pause. Of? You're like, is it Kralador? Kralador. Well, I can't remember. <laughs> no, as is, is I've said Kalidor too many times, and now it just it doesn't sound like you're, I, I think it's, I've got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you say the word misapprehension 40 times and you think no no is that right is that a word have I, <laughs> I just made up a word am i operating under a terrible misappro oh no yeah. 
<laughs> this great war is really a, a, a total fight for survival, a, a fight for just the continuing existence of the elves. Uh, and it comes at a staggering price. Um, certainly someone should have Googled the price of it in advance. Um, mm. But it's very, very dear in terms of the sheer, you know, for every handful of demons that are killed, uh, there is uh, an elf warrior falls. But there are an endless amount of demons and a finite amount of elves. Ultimately, Kalador, uh, which is his real name, decides... Fuck this, literally, fuck this for a game of soldiers. Uh, we need to do something to create, to remove the access that the demons have to this world, to this fated place. So that's really when it starts to, the, the kind of germ of the idea of the great vortex, the great kind of chaos drain in the middle of Ulthuin. We need a big hole, a big hole. Comes into being, yes. I, I, I won't be drawn into your big hole. Um, over the next couple of decades, the uh, forces of chaos are, are, are pushed back, so much so that the inner kingdoms kind of exist in this kind of a, a state of peace, although not true peace. Everyone's constantly apprehensive, jumping at shadows, killing cats <laughs> that leap out of them, this kind of idea. In that time, the Phoenix King takes a wife. He meets the Everqueen Astariel, they marry, they fall genuinely in love, and they have two children, Ivrain <laughs> They said and in Morellian. denial, we're genuinely in love. We're genuinely <laughs> really, in love. Really, yeah, really we're really happily married, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, it's difficult um, to kind of believe that genuineness when you phrase it, takes a wife. <laughs> well, they fell in love and got married he took her like wow okay uh, was it consensual was she into he it he consensually took her <laughs> which she, is even less hand. believable than genuinely in love <laughs> so the two children Yvrain and Morellian are born uh, they are ecstatically happy genuinely happy honestly happy yeah. Uh, and oh, they like those really kind of... wholesome families, yeah. and like you get, you get like post family postcards from them of them in like their home knitted jumpers. Like, yeah. happy Christmas from what's the surname? Anarian Smith, the Smith family. <laughs> <laughs> and when you look closely, like there's different like lighting on them. You know, like one looks like they're outside, one's like in yeah. a dark room. Blatant really shit job, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not good. Not good. We're really happily married, genuinely. <laughs> um, and then, within a decade, the forces of chaos uh, mount a, a great invasion of Aberlorn, where the 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 home of the Everqueen. The Everqueen is unfortunately pulled apart like a KFC bucket by the uh, Keeper of Secrets, <laughs> Nakari, um, and her children are uh, believed lost uh, uh, during what it can only be described as the total mass massacre of, um, of Averlorn. The total what? Blimey. Massacre. Oh, massacre. All right. Massacre. I thought it said math massacre. A mass massacre. There was algebra and Euclid all over the place. She was torn apart. What a horrible fucking, what a horrible fate. 
And then her soul was kind of gobbled up like um, yummy, yummy, yummy. The, the, the middle bit of a, of a cream egg. He kind of popped her open and licked out the uh, albumum goodness. Oh, God. <laughs> Just yuck. Nothing that exists in the real world exists in the middle of a cream egg. It's, it's mainly from an aerosol can. Yeah, the only thing that exists in the middle of a cream egg is utter despair. <laughs> yeah, shame. it's just compressed time. It's so fucking <laughs> sugary. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. Anyway, Anarian uh, launches himself into the cream egg center of shame and despair as his entire family and the woman that he genuinely, no, genuinely loved um, <laughs> is quite literally torn from him. He descends into the absolute depths of despair uh, and where he meets his own rage, his own anger. Uh, gone are any sense of compassion or soft feelings or um, any The marigolds kind of are coming off. The marigolds <laughs> yeah. have been replaced with gauntlets. <laughs> but the welly uh, still on. <laughs> the welly now has a nail stuck through the, t- the, the toe cap. The toe. <laughs> and the dicky it's now a steel. It's a steel toe cap welly. <laughs> Yeah. If anyone has ever watched the band Guar, that's how he looks. He looks like a member of Guar now. Um, again, very a hilarious joke if you know what they look like. Yeah, very niche reference. Uh, he decides that the only thing that they can do now is go out fighting. So he flies to the Blighted Isle on the dragon in Drognir, uh, dismounts. Uh, a couple of miles from the altar of Cain and marches up and sees the sword of Cain embedded in the top of the ziggurattic um, temple. Uh, as we've mentioned previously, the sword of Cain is is called that because it looked to Anarion like a sword. Uh, it looked to Malekith as a scepter uh, and, and some other of the Phoenix Kings saw uh, other different things. I think we Potter's typewriter. wheel. Right? Yeah, a potter's wheel. That was it. A potter's um, wheel of Anarin. Or yeah, yeah. Uh, the sword of Cain is a shard. Is the uh, kind of manifestation of the rage and anger and bloodlust of the elven god of murder, Kyle Mencha Cain. Whatever form it takes, the only kind of constants about it are one it floods the viewer with a sense of destiny and power drenched in blood and then quite uh, tangentially or quite coincidentally it constantly drips blood regardless of what form it takes it's a messy you've got to just wrap it up if you know oh yeah otherwise guess everywhere man yeah trust me uh, marigolds it would slip right out of your hand uh, regardless of how textured they were um, after drawing this weapon, he becomes all but invincible. Uh, he was already uh, impenetrable, is that the word? I'm not entirely sure, because of his armor. Uh, but now he had the uh, fighting, fighting capacity of a dozen angry badgers. We're trying to catch Ben's attention Ooh, once again. Wow. Yeah, let me tell you, that's pretty fucking angry. Um, it's a lot of rabies. So he goes on an absolute crusade against the forces of Chaos. Uh, he tours around 
the inner kingdoms and the starts of and and makes headway into the outer kingdoms of Ulthuin uh, with a, a band of kind of desperate, uh, degenerate, uh, war kind of focused elves. Gone are any kind of sense of uh, artistic purpose or integrity or compassion. They fight now just for the sake of fighting rather than just trying to clear their home. Mr. Chris. And sorry, I keep forgetting, Anari. Is this, are we talking about Anari? Yeah, Anarian, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's literally invincible after picking up the Sword of Cain now. He cannot be killed. Uh, yes, he cannot be killed. That's pretty useful. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have any where, perk for this uh, sword, what Where was the be? Sword of Cain like 500 years ago? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> it, Can we get the Sword of Cain now? Okay. <laughs> the, the, the kind of the, the downside of the source of uh, of the uh, sword of Cain, which I think we've covered before, is that is it, it cannot it, be held with marigolds. <laughs> no, uh, is that <laughs> it fates your bloodline uh, to despair and ignominy for the for the rest of time? Uh, it uh, whoever picks it up. Uh, is it, it goes from the uh, kind of the Kade, you know, the the kind of gods of the overworld, to the gods of the underworld, to the Sithare, um, and so uh, your luck is any success you have is tainted, uh, and uh, you know all your victories will then become pyrrhic victories, where the price of that victory is almost as much as you know as a loss, uh, uh, and so mm. it's it's not great. But until then, we. <laughs> <laughs> That's tomorrow's problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow me will figure that out. <laughs> so as he's um, wandering around uh, Ulthuin with his armies, uh, <laughs> testing this new invulnerability, he's like, How immortal am I? Let's kick let's me in the balls. Try. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> think you know how invincible. No, no, just kick me in the balls. No, but sire, just kick me in the balls. That's an order. Look, look, look. You're this really high clip. Just 300 me off it. Go for it. Just straight <laughs> yeah. Go on. Do it. Oh, honestly, I give you full permission. <laughs> Hello, my name is Claus McGee, and I am the founder of the Ulthuin Defence League, an institute focused on the liberation of Ulthuin by lions, through lions, for lions. My Shracian brothers and sisters and I have dedicated our lives to ridding these lands of the elven enemy number one, the United Badgers Collective. That's right, you tell them, Claus. Oh, don't you worry about that, I will pause. Pause for what? No, no, that's your name, you stupid hairy twat. Pause carnivores. Oh yeah, that's my name, innit? <laughs> anyway, these and some badgery bastards are a plague on this beautiful country. Yeah! They battle over here, they take our jobs, they take our women. Well, we won't stand for it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, no! The Ultuan Defence League is the last line of defence between us and all-out badgery chaos. And we urge all lions throughout the land to take up arms. And claws. And send these subterranean scum back underground. Yeah! Long live the League of Ulthuid Defence! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Who are you calling the League of Ulthuid Defence? We're the Ulthuid Defence League! Oh, sorry, I, th I, I thought we were the League of. 
core. If there's one thing we ate more than the United Badgers Collective, it's the fucking League of Ulthuan Defence. <laughs> Wankers. Yeah. And the Defence League of Ulthuan. Oh yeah, tosses. And the Ulthuan Defence League. <laughs> yeah, bunch of... No, no we're the Ulthuan Defence League, you furry fuckwit. Oh, sorry. Anyway, this country is at war, and the Ulthuan Defence League needs you. Join today and get a free chariot. So as he's uh, crusading around Ulthuin, he comes across, and in fact, I suspect literally, uh, a <laughs> witch being tortured by a warband uh, of Slaneshi followers. Wow. It's, I mean, whatever, whatever you're into, you know, whatever well, you're into. Yeah, it's we, one of those We don't things. kink shame here. This is, uh... um, so he rescues her uh, and feels drawn to her, and they set up their home in the kingdom of uh, Nagrathi. Uh, and the witch that he rescued was Marathi. Is Marathi. Marathi. Everyone wants Marathi. So how long's his original wife been dead for? When did she get pulled apart? Um, oh, that's a great question. Uh, was there a period of mourning? Was it like a week ago? Oh, he's still like... mourning. He's, oh, he's still, still mourning. mourning. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though he uh, eventually marries Marathi, he doesn't love her. Um, right. He's, uh, Genuinely. They, yeah. They, no, yeah. Not, even, not even tangentially. Okay. <laughs> they, uh, they kind of look at each other with a mix of kind of hatred, lust, respect, um, that kind like of a idea. Like marriage. We yeah, the, the ex the exciting part at the start of a relationship um so <laughs> but but he he never loves her as it were mr chris i love you i'm not in love with you yeah um the the, 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 right. the yeah, you can't you, you can't say it on a podcast <laughs> yeah jesus <laughs> Can you just chris uh-huh. <laughs> um yeah you kind of answered it like the the way you explained that little story um about anuri coming to save uh, which who ended up being marathi and then they set up their home together yeah. i was going to ask so what are they are they a couple now are they are they a thing and then you've just answered it by saying yeah they, they eventually marry so did they yeah they he saves her and then they kind of go yeah we could be together i don't love you but you know yeah there's some there's some, <laughs> she, there's some she, advan- we could benefit one of it there's an opportunity here yeah it is it is a, a great point well made in terms of she's not the queen of the high elves she's not the queen of the elves she's the consort wife of the phoenix king she herself is not the queen even though she acts like it and has a huge inferiority complex uh, about the whole thing wow mm. There's such a great bit of information about Marathi, but will I leave it to the Dark Elves? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on. Oh, it's so good. It is so good, and it will, it will, it will literally blow your marriage. Twist. It'll twist your melon. All right. Okay. Fine. Fine. Twist fine. Yeah. Save it. Right. Save it. One last um, question. Yes. Is Malakith Anarian's son? Then. Uh, we're we're going to get to that bit shortly. Oh. oh. Uh, as the in the kind of fortieth year of Anarian's reign, it, it becomes clear to uh, Kralador that the only way to stop chaos I is know. to 
drain the septic abscess of uh, chaotic energy from the world. Um, so he starts, he, he understands what's required. So he begins to repair and expand the waystones uh, on Ulthuin. So it, it, it should be noted that these waystones were mostly put in place by the old ones. So it's the old ones who created the elven waystones. It's the elves who made them elven uh, waystones, as it were. Um, they were originally so, just hat stands of the old ones. And then <laughs> the elves just took it a bit too far, didn't they? They were like, no, these are really super duper obelisks of power. At the heart of every elven waystone is an original stone tadpole, inverted. <laughs> That's not true, but I would love it to be true. Um, what were they? What was the purpose of them when the old ones made them? Do we know? It was or is to it kind of a Stonehenge sort of thing. Yeah, no, it was to more efficiently channel magical energy, uh, like geomantic magical energy around the planet. Uh, which What's was geomantic the... energy, Crow? It is Earth type earth related magics the moving of earth earth earth, <laughs> earth. <laughs> do they still call soil earth on the fated place well yeah because it's earth yeah but it's, you know the earth has earth on it is the earth on earth called earth because the planet is called earth Yes. Or is... So if the fated place is called the fated place, it's not called Earth. So do they call soil fated stuff? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. What soil, Ben? What are you referring to? (laughs) Oh, do they not have soil on the fated place? Oh, it's like sharks and lions trying to have a conversation. (laughs) That just seems like you being cruel in order to not answer what I feel is a pretty sensible question. Moving on. So two <laughs> years after, <laughs> you're a dick. Yeah, I don't know. Is you know, yeah, okay. you caught me out there. I don't. I don't know. I can't answer your question. <laughs> I feel like Darren's definitely going to lose some sleep over that question. Definitely, I can tell. Um, so as these repairs are ongoing, the war with chaos is constantly uh, unraveling. But during this time. Marathi uh, gives birth to uh, a child, her and Anarian's child, uh, whose name is Malekith. Oh Uh, my god. And she immediately marries her own son. (laughs) What, immediately? (laughs) Yes. Literally on the birthing table. Like, what? So for the next 30 years... Uh, Anarian held court in uh, Nagrathi with his wife and child. They were relatively peaceful in terms of being in a state of constant warfare, but the kind of palace and the city of Anlek, which is the the, the name of the the capital of Nagrathi, became a very darkly aspected place. It it felt like all the joy was sucked out of it, not in a good way. And in later years, uh, great hay is made of what growing up in such a uh, violent 
uh, and decadent city as Anlek uh, might have done to a child. So they're focused on, you know, if Malekith had been raised elsewhere, would he have been a sure thing? Would he have been much, as much of a cunt? Yes. Mm. Um, I blame the parents. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what? Everyone else does too, mate. You're not wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's at this stage that the that Anarian and uh, Kalidor have a sort of falling out. Anarian views the plan of Kalidor, the, the creation of this great vortex, as just a, an eternity of despair where there's no victory, but there's no loss either. It's a stalemate. Um, whereas we, we've, we have discussed in a different podcast uh, that sometimes you can't win. The best you can do is stop your enemy from winning. And that's very much the feeling that um, that uh, is shared amongst Anarian and his uh, advisors. Mr. Chris. Uh, so Anarian is against the uh, chaos plug hole idea. He yes. thinks we should just fight on and just be rid of chaos once and for all. Yes. No halfway yeah, yeah. house. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but do those two his... are, those, are those two things? You know, does he view them as mutually exclusive? You know, do, 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 is it? Does he think it's not possible to rid the world of chaos with the the plug hole, the butthole, the chaos butthole in place? Does he have to get? I does mean, he feel like we've got to get rid of it in order to? to get rid of them fully. No, I think I can sum it up uh, best with a, a, a quote from the, the books. A limerick. That, uh, the oh, novels okay. that are a limerick. <laughs> a body limerick. Uh, that um, Anarian, say, Anarian said, it's better to be ashes than dust. Meaning, it's better to burn brightly and briefly than to uh, just decay over years. And that's really what his uh, thought of the Great Vortex was. It doesn't get rid of chaos. Chaos is still there. The polar gates are still causing a problem. Ultimately, I suspect if he had his way, he would try and shut down the polar gates completely. Uh, that would be a victory for him, a return to the golden age of the fated place. But, you know, that was not... A possibility ever that was just the sword of Cain talking through him. Uh, he wanted Ooh. eternal violence and warfare rather than uh, uh, a, a, a solution okay. for his people. Mm. So, did Anarian think? Did he? Did he believe he was like this? Is my way is going to get rid of chaos once and for all? But actually, if he had done that, they would have just been in an eternal. Uh, battle with chaos, but did he know that would have been the end, of, or did he think was he was he being fooled into thinking that he could defeat chaos? Was he inceptioned? Did he by Cain? Yeah. So yeah, yes, he was inceptioned. Effectively, it was his already violent nature, uh, his already despairing nature. Because remember, he was genuinely no, genuinely in love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he lost any kind of hope. So he wanted effectively to go down swinging. Uh, okay. And that's really where he felt the elves were headed. So anything that kind of proposed any kind of future was a false hope and should be rejected instantly. And the only effective way to fight chaos is to pick up a sword and stab it in the head. Um, you know, an admirable sentiment. 
uh, which yeah. the, the the British sure, Empire sure. has tried throughout our own history, ultimately to no avail. Um, Stop it in the end. Ironically, the end. becoming the evil ones. <laughs> um, when it became clear that he could no longer dissuade uh, Calador, he kind of banished him. They set, they parted ways. This was a, a great kind of emotional uh, blow. Uh, to both of them, as Calador was a stabilizing influence in uh, the the court of Anlec, but uh, Anarian was a you know a, a constant champion of Calador, and uh, Calador viewed him as you know quite rightly the rightful Phoenix King. Um, with that tie severed, Calador really was free to do whatever he could. Uh, or whatever, really, whatever he wanted, uh, to be able to save Ulthuin. This ultimately led to Kalidor starting the rite, starting the ritual that would bring about the Great Vortex uh, on the Isle of the Dead in this huge uh, kind of open-air uh, temple complex at the heart of uh, the Isle. Uh, of, ah, sorry, so it hadn't, the they hadn't... They hadn't created it yet. It was the no. Atharian uh, was against the concept of it, not you know it. Yes, um, right. okay. it should be noted that the Isle of the Dead is not really an isle, uh, although technically it is an isle. That's confusing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> is it? Uh, it's is not it a solid landmass. It is a collection of enormous waystones, sort of stuck together with. The albumum of magic, Pritstick. Uh, like a, a jellyfish is actually a, 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 a group of organisms. It's not a single thing, kind of. That's thing. right. Got it's it. like the an upside down stone theory. jellyfish. That's exactly yes. right. Yes, um, thank you. Got it. Aren't aren't all living things a collection of organisms? Don't be ridiculous, Ben. We're not jellyfish. <laughs> it's it's the sharks thing again. I'll shut up. The, no, sharks are a collection of orgasms. <laughs> collection of orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> well, you well you would, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> I would not. Some teeth you can keep. <laughs> anyway, back to Ulthuin. Uh, at the on the Isle of the Dead, Calador is given it all kinds of uh, laldi and shapes, uh, various dancing, tambourines, probably a squash Bulging. or something is involved, walking <laughs> away with a a cadre uh, of elite elven mages. Uh, in fact, almost all of them. And as this ritual starts, the forces of chaos go, "Hey." What are those lads doing over there? Let's send our entire forces against them to destroy them. So they are beset by legions upon legions of demons. Suddenly there are ships carrying all kinds of monsters, mutated humans, uh, cats and dogs, maybe a gerbil, who knows? Uh, chaos gerbil. Uh, <laughs> This is really the first instance where the the weaponry of that was created by Calador comes to the fore. Uh, it is not only just Calador and some mages on the island. It is all the kind of loyal troops that he could muster, uh, and these uh, brave uh, elf men and women, uh, or yes, elf men and women are uh, 
really fighting a losing battle, but they they really are going down swinging. It, it chaos is only able to make very very gradual um, uh, progress against them. And Aryan becomes aware of what's going on, uh, and it, really in a kind of situation that everyone in uh, the world has been in when one of your mates starts something that you told them not to start and then you end up having to go in and help uh, that's exactly what's happening so it yeah it's the flat move syndrome we'll call it uh, where you don't really want to help All but you feel you that. have to help um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anarian yeah. Calador Kral and Benny basically yeah. the same names <laughs> <laughs> how dare you Oh dear. <laughs> Coincidence, Ash. I graced you with my presence. Uh. <laughs> so Literally. as quickly as they can, the forces of um, not only Nagrathi, but also all the other um, elven kingdoms descend upon the, um, the Isle of the Dead. Anarion is uh, there relatively quickly because he's um, mounted on Indrognir, the, the kind of father of dragons, and they arrive at the site of the ritual uh, to discover they are faced by the four most powerful greater demons uh, that serve chaos. And instantly they're in the mix. Uh, if you can imagine... Uh, do you remember the bit in Independence Day where the laser comes down through like the oh, yeah. Empire State Building and there's this kind of expanding circle of death? Yeah. Uh, across the planet. Imagine that, but in but very slowly in reverse. So at the heart of it, you have the great site for the ritual, and then you have just a circle of death um around incoming. where incoming, exactly right. Um but it, it's slowly progressing towards the center because elves are fighting for their very existence. So uh, the noise must have been unbelievable. Second only, I suspect, to the smell. Now, uh, Inarian lands uh, with an Drognir to discover that there, as I said, the four greater demons are arrayed against him. Um, the first demon he faces is a greater demon of Zinch called uh, Kairos Fate Weaver. Um, round this one. is Kairos Fate round Weaver, one. Anarion <laughs> <laughs> uh, is blasted with the kind of magical power of uh, Zinch via uh, uh, Kairos, but very quickly he's able to uh, cleave its head in two right down the neck, which means that you then have kind of two floppy-headed giraffe-style greater demon lolling around the place uh, and collapsing and then dying, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you had to be there, really. <laughs> but with his death, uh, Kairos was able to uh, penetrate uh, some of the defences in the invincible armour of Anarion, making it no longer invincible armour, just really, really, really good armour. Um, making him somewhat more mortal than he would like to be. He next faces off against the Slaneshi Keeper of Secrets, Nakari, who was Round the very two. Keeper of Secrets. Nakari. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was the very Keeper of Secrets that uh, KFC'd his wife. 
and <gasps> oh uh, wow, and just ate the skin and then left everything else in the bucket. Yeah, I can hate those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then swore everyone to secrecy about it. Don't yeah. tell it's anyone the- I did this. I was never here. Again, Anarian is able to destroy the uh, greater demon by driving the uh, the sword of Cain through the demon's chest. Yeah, uh, and what it did was as uh, it. As Nakari was dying, the Sword of Cain drew the soul of the Greater Demon into itself and transferred some of the energy and strength to Anarian uh, because the blade sensed that this was a cataclysmic battle. Shit, okay. He then, so having faced off two of the demons, he was left with how many? That's right, two. Uh, and he <laughs> attacked the Great We're learning one. so much, Chris. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, he was then faced with the great unclean one, Throttle Gurgle Spew. Great name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Round three. <laughs> Throttle McGrottle. <Good> <laughs> I literally just said the name and you've forgotten it already. <laughs> Throttle Screaming Gobble fell. Stop. <laughs> gobble Gobble. <laughs> gobble Gobble. Gobble McGobble Face. Uh, <laughs> Gobble gobble throttle is something you exclaim a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's very onomatopoeic. Um, yeah. So again, this is a greater demon of Nurgle. So it, it's a huge bloated corpse that's reliably about fifty to sixty foot high. It's kind of a zombie kaiju, um, just wow. uh, coming right at you if you'll excuse the phrase. It was then really that he realized that Anarian realized something was wrong. As his lungs filled with maggots, uh, they, <laughs> this ain't the right, armor. man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is this just me or your lungs filled with maggots too? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this wasn't here yesterday. <laughs> um, and sort of, he fell to his knees, as one would, obviously, um, as he realised that the armor had been uh, rendered kind of inert. Um, it was then that Indrognir came to his aid using the kind of white hot fiery breath that some dragons are known for, blasted through the uh, kind of enchantments around Anarian. Anarian, of course, the Phoenix King, is immune to fire. That's maybe something we should have mentioned uh, right at okay. the start. Um, so he was able to, with the dragon's help, kill the third of four demons um, and cleanse himself of maggoty invasion as he <laughs> breathes in fire. Yeah, Magalong. I've got oh, M-Long. <laughs> <laughs> the mags. Also known as coughing up death. <laughs> Maggot. <laughs> Good pause. Good pause. The final demon was a bloodthirster of corn called Hargrin Dreadax. Final battle. Tarquin. Did you just say Tarquin? You just said Tarquin, didn't you? (laughs) Tarquin. Is that what you said? (laughs) No. I thought that was a Tarquin bloodthirster. (laughs) What was his name? (laughs) Farquad. Hargrim Dreadax. Hargrim Dreadax. Axe, axe. Finish Uh, him. In... This final battle, um, it is regrettable that the Bloodthirster gave Indrognir uh, a fatal blow, like with an axe, not 
was a friendly kind of thing to do. <laughs> uh, and not only was Anarian's arm broken, his blade arm broken, but but he himself was damaged in a more spiritual and emotional fashion. Uh, probably some insults, maybe a joke about his dead wife. Who knows? Um, the demons of corn are pretty cruel. Yeah. As this, as he dealt the final blow and killed the uh, the unremembered name of the bloodthirster, uh, <laughs> the great ritual was completed with a thunderclap and maybe a squeal of some kind of small mammal, um, oh. as it reverberated around, uh, almost instantaneously. The forces of chaos started to dissolve. Certainly all the demons just evaporated into nothingness as the motive force and energy of their existence was sucked back into the realm of chaos. Uh, it's something I'm not sure we've talked about before. Is like, where where does the other end of the Great Vortex come out? Mm. This yeah, is what yeah, we yeah. discussed last time or, or mused, yeah, didn't it's we? Like, it's um, like, yeah. Yeah, is there a, is there if it was like a black hole? Is there a white hole spewing that chaos energy? I mean, surely it just goes uh, back into the realm of chaos. It's back into the realm of chaos. Yeah, yeah, right. But where in the realm of chaos? Because it's not just the realm of chaos. Actually, has there was a map, didn't it? We, we, you showed it's us in, a map. It's of in, it is it? Did, did Queef? Did Queef have a little area of the uh, in the? Realm Do you of mean Queefal? Queefal, queef. <laughs> You're a queef. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Queef. The power of anyway. queef. <laughs> queef. Let me tell you, it's, when you are confronted with it, it's pretty chaotic. Um, <laughs> they... Have I have I have I mis misunderstood? Did he had did Queefel, Did he have a little area of the realm of chaos? Most yeah, most of the demon princes have their own kind of pocket dimension area within the realm of chaos over which they have total control. Yes, mm. uh, but it's not. It wouldn't be as expansive as the kind of four great gods of chaos. Sure. Yeah. 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 With the with the completion of the ritual, Anarian turned to see what became of his old friend uh, and uh, was confronted by what is effectively elf mages trapped in amber. They're trapped in time. So they are constantly, they still to this day, many, many thousands of years later, are still chanting. They're trapped in time, uh, forever repeating the, uh, the great ritual. And Did they know it, that there was going to be le that level of sacrifice when they started? Uh, or was it a it, side effect? I think it's a side effect. It may have been mentioned. There's, a, it's mentioned in the kind of the Anarian books about the the the. the uh, it does cover the great ritual in quite detail, but I can't recall if it was uh, a thing they foresee. If it was a sacrifice that they were uh, going yeah. to have to make before they got Jurassic Parked. Before they oh, no. got, yeah. In frozen so, carbonite, chanting forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got hand soloed. <laughs> they got hand soloed. <laughs> um, seeing that the forces of chaos were effectively gone or now more manageable and under control, especially on Ulthuin, but of course throughout the rest of the world, Anarian realized 
that he couldn't hand off the blade of uh, Cain or the sword of Cain uh, to anyone else. The reason he drew it no longer existed. Um, so uh, mounting his half-dead dragon... Sorry what, sorry, what do you mean by that? What, what, was he, what was the reason that he drew it no longer existed? What was the was reason? His, he wanted his... just to fight forevermore, didn't he? He was against the plug hole of chaos. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. okay yeah, cool. that was his mo. But surely he the, the fight fight's still, more. you know, yeah. Even with the plugs, still of plenty of chaos, chaos around, isn't there? Yeah, there's plenty. There's yeah, plenty. keep him busy. Just leave Ulthwin. But his dragon was dying, as was he. They uh... all the protection was gone. So rather than just die and leave the sword just lying on the battlefield, he and his dragon kind of limp flewed, limp flew. Uh, stumbled from <laughs> like a the, bumblebee from the, stumble flied stumble fly <laughs> from the isle of the dead they flew straight north they stumble flew straight uh, north uh, and in drognir landed at the foot of the uh, altar of cain the, the the shrine of cain uh, and passed away what became of Anarian is not known. It was only generations later that they discovered that the Sword of Cain was back where it was. It was embedded in the, the top of the uh, the Shrine of Cain. Uh, but of Anarian, there was no sign whatsoever. Is it possible that he went back and plonked it in? He was like, actually, don't want it's that. It's possible. Yoink. I think we'll find out in about five episodes we're going to get a bombshell from Darren. It's going yeah. to be like, it was a Narian all along. Proud, don't, don't it, start uh, ruining this now. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> I know, I will, I will happily tell you. He went into hiding. He went into hiding to recuperate uh, and help the, uh, the Empire of Man come to fruition. And in fact, he was Felix Man. Uh, in no. I'm lying. Of course, I'm lying. Of course, no lying. one knows oh, what happened to him. I had Ben. Oh, listeners, I wish you could have seen Ben's face. I was like, uh, I was like, Felix Man sounds a lot like Phoenix King. Phoenix hmm. <laughs> Man. It's one Ben's step just gonna away run from with it now. He's not gonna yeah. not <laughs> believe that. Are you human? Yes, I am human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> woman whoa man um yeah so that's the thing that's now okay so he was felix man okay good. <laughs> I did, and, and, and that's it so with the passing of an Aryan, a time of peace opened up in front of the elves there was still a great deal of uh, work to be done to clear the last vestiges of chaos from from Ulthuin, but these tended to be mortal creatures uh, rather than the demonic. And a process of uh, reconstruction and rebuilding needed to happen to bring Ulthuin back to some sort of stable position. With that in mind, the princes of all ten kingdoms met to discuss who should be the successor uh, to um, Anarion. To some of the princes felt that the logical choice uh, was Malekith. He was the natural successor to the Phoenix King and, you know, pushed a hereditary kind of bloodline. Um, 
but a great deal many was of it the maybe other Malekith that thought Malekith should be the king. So yeah, I should definitely be the king. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Doing loads of different voices behind a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think Malekith is great. Yeah, it's definitely he definitely won't fuck his mum. But um, Malekith, Malekith had said that he understood if any if the princes elected another prince. He would back that prince. He would back that new Phoenix king. He did not want to make further trouble during a time of uh, reconstruction. Marathi spoke uh, eloquently and angrily uh, about how Malekith was the logical choice. Uh, but ultimately, it was decided that they wanted to put a full stop to the kind of life and reign of Anarian. And many questioned the suitability and kind of uh, psyche of a prince that was raised in the in the toxic atmosphere of Anlek, cursed as it was by the Sword of Cain. This ultimately led to the election of Bel Shannar, uh, who is who became the second Phoenix King. The moment that his name was announced, um, is that Bel Shamalama Ding Dong? <laughs> yep. You got shut down there, man. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, Ben. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Move on. The, the moment Fuck. that um, Belshamar's name was announced, uh, Marathi <laughs> lost all sense of decorum and restraint and shrieked uh, at how ill-suited such a choice was that uh Belshinar uh, was a, a, a merchant prince. He was a peddler uh, and he was no good. He was not what the country needed. It should definitely have been Malekith. What the hell are you all doing? In a response to this kind of tirade, Malekith walked up to Belshinar and dropped to his knee and pledged eternal loyalty to Belshinar as the Phoenix King which stunned everyone into silence. He was as true to his word uh, as, um, well, he was true to his word uh, and became <laughs> the the first and most loyal prince uh, to the second Phoenix King. And with that, but it was all, kind of... It was, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, like, yeah, that sounds like a, Malekith knew what he was doing. He had a nope. plan, didn't he? No, nope. this was not a ruse. At this time, yeah, it was, was Come a on. loyal yeah, it was son. A ruse. He was a loyal. No, was go a fuck yourself. He was, was a loyal a son <laughs> <laughs> to the newly crowned um, Phoenix King. Crow, um, remember in the intro when we say that you knew fuck all? You second guessing the plan here is <laughs> we're going to get cancelled. It's a ruse, Ben. It's we're all gonna, a ruse. <laughs> you're a ruse. <laughs> so I'll now very briefly cover. The 1700-year reign of Belshanar. <laughs> Strap go. in, lads. This is going to be a roller coaster. <laughs> we So within a year, Belshanar was... Um, he went through the coronation after passing through the flame of Azurian. So he went through the same process. He walked through the purifying train, uh, came out, marigolded and wellied, and was draped in robes and became the second Phoenix King. He was from the kingdom of Tyrannoch. If you'll recall, that's the car Where park the dinosaurs kingdom. Come from, yeah. 
where people fight the dinosaurs in very pixely fashions, yes. Yeah. Um, and so that saw Tyrannox rise to prominence. And we discussed last episode uh, that Tyrannox w- is the best example of kind of high fantasy high elves. Everything is marble, including the trees. Everything's dri- <laughs> dripping with gold, uh, possibly albumum from a distance. Who can say? Uh, it, it's really the stereotypical high elf uh, notion. So within the next kind of couple of centuries, that's really when Ulthuin started looking out, and it's when Ulthuin started to colonize other areas of the fated place. At the forefront of all these colonization efforts was Malekith. He was the troubleshooter. He was the go-to guy for, or I beg your pardon, the go-to elf for the Phoenix King. If there was a problem, Malekith will sort it out, uh, which he did so happily and voluntarily. Chris, I see you looking at me like that. He, he, yep. He's got ulterior um, motives. We all know Malekith. I don't know why I'm talking like I'm fucking commentating on the horse races and he's coming down the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it was during these early centuries, and we've covered this during the dwarf episodes, where Malekith met Snorri Whitebeard, the high king of the dwarves, as as the dwarves were beset by a a ravening beastman army. The elves came to their aid. and it was from that time where Malekith became fast friends with the dwarves and uh, saw them as the greatest allies the elves could have in their continued mission to uh, make make Ulthuin great again. Um, <laughs> make Ulthuin great. Magma? Magma. Magma? <laughs> <laughs> so... As as the colonization of the uh, of the world continued, Malekith came across uh, the city of Athol. Uh, no, quite literally of Athol Turalian, uh, which was, <laughs> and was instantly the... entered in the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he then became known as Malekith Kegel King uh, for the sheer <laughs> pressure he was able to exude. <laughs> he can create sapphires at will. Uh, anyway, they... <laughs> so uh, the kind of sparse ruins of Athol Torellian were uh, kind of under siege from an orc warlord, and this really was one of the gr- first and greatest battles against the Greenskins. Was a bit before the ruined walls of this city. The dwarf warlord in question, Gritok Redfang, uh, was, um, how would you describe it, grated to death just by the sheer volume of violence that the elves uh, kind of gave him. Or Why have I forgotten how to speak? This is very upsetting. <laughs> would you like some violence? <laughs> now the and thus he re- rescued the the populace the sparse populace of the city when word got back to uh belshamar malekith was a bit kind of pissed off that the city had been abandoned because athel Torellian had been founded by a prince of uh Eotain, where lothern is the, the the kind of mirror of calador and in a very kind of long and uh, flowery letter, 
he put forward the right of princes uh, that if a prince is not able to defend a city or a colony, he is no longer the ruler of that colony. Uh, and this Fair. was agreed with by Belshamar uh, and was effectively the city was handed to Malekith as his base of operations. The very first thing that uh, Malekith did was to invite dwarven architects, dwarven masons and engineers into the city to help him rebuild it, where it became uh, a, a, an impressive combination of both cultures. It had the sturdiness and defensive uh, capacity of the dwarves, but also the kind of culture and refinement uh, of high elf uh, architecture. It really became quite a cosmopolitan city, uh, so much so that Marathi visited it a couple of centuries later. Uh, and because it was a colony, it had this kind of inferiority complex uh, about its kind of links to elven culture. So when Marathi visited, she brought with her all of the kind of current trends, all of the, the kind of states of worship and religion uh, and so forth. Fashion, books, and maybe some drink. Who can say? While she was there, she befriended uh, the daughter of the kind of ruling prince, the one who ruled in uh, Malachi's name, uh, who was a an elf called Helebron, who becomes very famous uh, millennia later. But she senses a kind of kindred spirit, uh, or sorry, Marathi senses a kind of kindred spirit, one that is able to be manipulated. So Marathi introduces her to the cult of Cain. Uh, the kind of saving god of the elves during the uh, Great War Against Chaos. And really what happens in um, Athol Torellian is the birth of the kind of witch elves, uh, or, or those beings that would go on to become the witch elves, that kind of religion that would um, worship Cain, the god of murder, above everything else. Um, and that is... You know, we're talking 4,100 years BS. So even before Dark Elves existed, the seeds of Dark Elf culture were being spread uh, by Marathi. Um, the groundwork was being laid. It was being laid, Giggity. yes. <laughs> so over the next sort of 500, 700 years, uh, Malekith is really uh, the 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 kind of high elf regent or the elf regent of the old world, uh, known as Elfin Arvin uh, by uh, the elves. Uh, Elfin and he, Arvin? El Arvin. Elfin Arvan, A-R-V-A-N. Right. Yeah. He works kind of uh, hand in glove with the dwarves to drive not only the forces of chaos out, but the greenskins as well, and to give... Uh, the elves and the dwarves room to grow, room to prosper, and you see, uh, you know, great cities uh, being constructed. Unfortunately, you also see the influence of the cults of pleasure as they start uh, infecting elf culture. You'll recall at last episode we discussed how the forces of chaos impact the elves because they're pretty much immune to mutation, so it's a kind of cultural bias that they get in. In the aftermath of uh, the creation of the Great Vortex, 
elves had to effectively rebuild from nothing. There was no, there was no respite. Everything was, you know, a, a hand-to-mouth existence. As it became less so, as it became less desperate, uh, they began to look back towards what they had lost. And really, that's when you start getting in these uh, cults of pleasure and ex- excess where they're trying to gain some happiness, in quotes, out of their existence, uh, usually at the expense of others. Um, and so this slowly, this slow kind of s cult is spread throughout the elven nobility and um, kind of trickles down. That's an unfortunate image. Trickles down onto <laughs> uh, regular elves uh, as it goes. All of this is happening without the knowledge of Malekith. He is a still. I'm going to upset Chris again. He's a good and true um, uh, servant of the High Elf King or of the Phoenix King. Ruse. It's a ruse. <laughs> it's a ruse. It's a ruse. <laughs> So as this cult spreads, Malekith travels to a city called Toralesi, uh, which is in the uh, northern edges of the, um, of the old world, uh, where uh, in Bretonia, what, what would become Bretonia. Um, while he's there, he meets a priestess of uh, Lilith, who is the moon, the elven moon goddess? Everyone obviously knows that. Uh, named uh, yeah. Alicera. He falls in love with her and they consensually marry. Chris, I'm going to, and, and Gen- there's genuine, the marriage. They're genuinely happy. No, nope, yeah, they're not genuinely happy. They're just happy. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he settles down in Toralesi. He's still goes out on the uh, uh, you know an occasional mission but he has a wife he has happiness in his life he finds some element of peace as this progresses as uh, the centuries uh, move forward his connection with the dwarves strengthens uh, and eventually becomes uh, not the chief advisor but like a a, a fully trusted advisor to uh, the dwarven uh, high king the relationship is so famous as being so friendly and good and you know a, a strong alliance between them that the phoenix king himself travels from Ulthuan to Karazakarak the dwarven uh, kind of capital and they pledge eternal friendship between the elves and the dwarves uh, thus cementing probably with albumum the great kind of alliance of the races of good, in quotes. It should be noted that uh, when the Phoenix King arrived, he brought with him a single cask of Illyrian wine. Do you remember? Illyria uh, is the, that's the inner kingdom that has the time dilation. Uh, And it has impacts on everything there, including the wine. The wine is so expensive that a single glass of it Cost the same as the uh, a mansion for an elven prince. It is the the rarest of rare and most. Is that expensive. because it's been aged? It's been a- aged in confusing directions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is minus two hundred years old. <laughs> so great vintage. Did, did you... I think it's going to be. <laughs> so Snorri 
wishing to show his appreciation as only a dwarf could, stoves in the top of this cask and drinks it in one go. Um, <laughs> so effectively sure, drinks, you know, the price of all the buildings in an elven kingdom, in one of the ten elven kingdoms, in 30 seconds. Amazing. Uh, Classy belt. And lets out an enormous belch, which may or may not have lasted three or four minutes or seven days. Who can tell <laughs> yeah. the wine is fucked? The belch um, itself was the cost of a small outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> a lean-to. <laughs> the effects of the belch were similar to electrified benches. As, um, <laughs> so, how was that received? Show, uh, the the uh, it's it's written that the elves were like insulted, confused, and honoured in equal measure. They didn't know what to make of it because it's just like, is that how they drink wine? But the dwarves, not wanting obviously to uh, be seen as ungrateful uh, give uh, give the phoenix king a two gallon commemorative uh, dwarf stein tankard. or tankard then yeah. <laughs> and 12 I love huge Kazak barrels yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 12 <gasps> barrels of gut stranglers old nasty dwarf ale <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's so cheap you have to Genuine. pay to drink it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What effect would that have on the um elves because it's really strong, isn't it? Oh, it 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 would probably floor them, yes. <laughs> At the close of this uh diplomatic meeting, Malekith is appointed the infish, the official ambassador of the phoenix court to the dwarves uh, and that's really the fruition of his true and great friendship with snorry whitebeard uh, the high king of the dwarves and they would spend hours talking about the great plans they would have uh, for both nations and both races regrettably these were not to be because snorry whitebeard was already uh, of significant age, and he passed away within After within fifty in years. The most expensive yeah. wine in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing: is he drank that entire cask of time enchanted wine. He didn't get the hangover until forty nine years later, and it killed him. <laughs> that's that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Um, the delayed hangover with the, with the death of his friend Malekith. Uh, began to wander the world, terrified that he himself would die at some point and that all his uh, deeds would amount to nothing. As he travels around, he spends 15 years seeking out some of these kind of uh, amazing legendary places and, and has some success, but it's not really until he finds the ruins of Vorskar in the north uh, that he that he finds really what he's looking for. Vroshkar is a city that predates the Great Catastrophe. It predates the collapse of the Polar Gates and may in fact even predate the old ones. Um, it is a place of odd angles uh, of construction and very much is like that painting by Escher or that drawing by Escher of the stairs 
you know, the inside of that room, all the stairs and all uh, different directions. All crazy yeah. stairs. Yeah. Going up the stairs, going down the stairs, going up the sideways <laughs> stairs. <laughs> They're not really able to kind of align themselves uh, with any direction once they're in there and it's only with the assistance of all the mages that are accompanying uh, Malekith that they're able to kind of make their way to the centre of this weird city as they're passing by all this architecture they realise there's no, everything is monolithic everything is a single piece there's no joins Uh, so it's not particularly clear how it was constructed. It must have been constructed with magic, but it appears to even predate, as I said, the the old ones. When they arrive at the center of the city, they find the ziggurat, a stepped pyramid, which is acting as a sort of magical reservoir. Uh, And they they make their way to the center of the ziggurat where they find a circulate of iron, so a, a, an iron band that one would wear, like a tiara, I suppose, uh, except the back is closed. Um, this thing is just pulsing with power, probably literally, actually. That would be pretty gross. Um, whom, whom. And it's surrounded by skeletons of the original habits, or what looks like the original inhabitants of the city. These are beings that are about the size of, uh, they're about the height of dwarves, but they don't have the thickness uh, in their bones that dwarves would have. That they, they look like just short humans with uh, what's described in the books as strangely familiar skulls. Eesh. That's how it's phrased. Okay. Uh, and some, you know, some people think that this is the race of beings that all the other humanoid races, with the exception of orcs, were created from. So this was one of the the races that the old ones, yeah, one of the old ones discovered that that was kept and not immediately annihilated. Right. But there's Uh, no knowledge of who they are. No, none at all. Uh, When Malekith puts the circlet on his head because he doesn't fucking know any better. His vision is suddenly washed over uh, with magic, and he's able to see frescoes and symbols on all these kind of apparently plain walls in full color and, uh, you know, twisting, dancing images that give him some insight to what the race was like. But, yeah, but but really that's, that's the extent of its description. It very much has a similar effect to him as the sword of Cain had on his father, um, except it's limited to him uh, and doesn't damn everything around him. He is given from the circlet a, 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 a not just some magical ability, but also um, a, a purpose, a driving force to, you know, take what is his. And when he returns to Torlesi, his wife, uh, Alicera, uh, senses this dark change in him, but tries to make the marriage work um, until she receives a vision from uh, her goddess, Lilith, the moon goddess, uh, where effectively it's get the fuck away from him. There is a darkness about him now uh, that will uh, destroy not only you, but elven kind. Uh, and with that, she bids him farewell 
and simply disappears. She is wow. protected Ooh. by the moon goddess and just disappears from uh, history at that time. I can see why Malekith, Malekith fucking then... takes the wrong turn after all that's going on. But anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, Exactly yep. right. Malekith then returns to Ulthuin. He has heard all about the cults of pleasure and the cults of excess, uh, and he's determined to bring them to heel. So he returns to Ulthuin, uh, goes to Anlek in, in Nagarathi, where he discovers that his mother is in fact the high priestess of these cults. So he publicly Mother. denounces her and imprisons not only just her, but all of the anyone who's implicated uh, within uh, the kind of nobility of his kingdom. He then begins to slaughter the uh, members of these cults uh, and in, you know, and using his uh, good boy behavior of, you know, the previous couple of millennia, He's able to be appointed kind of head inquisitor uh, by Belshinar, and he goes through Ulthuin like a hot knife through butter. Uh, strangely enough, anyone who he dislikes suddenly is a member of this cult uh, and is persecuted, imprisoned, or killed. Uh, all their goods are taken, all their property is seized. And this continues uh, for. Uh, a couple of decades to the point where he is able to uh, sorry for a couple of years he is able then to make a case he wants to summon the the nobility of the 10 kingdoms to the shrine of azurian so that he can make a case to uh, take charge of the elven army and be able to purge ulthuin of this accursed cult in one go. All the princes and nobles arrive and Malekith uh, begins to uh, give his speech where everyone's saying, okay, he's, they're going to, you know, please give me control of the army. But instead he accuses Belshinar of being a member of this cult. The Phoenix <gasps> King himself is not able to defend himself because shortly before that, he poisoned himself, uh, or at least that's what Malekith suggests has happened. So racked with guilt, the uh, the Phoenix King, who was the by far the longest serving Phoenix King at almost 1,700 years, a reign of almost 1,700 years, took the straightforward way out of poisoning himself. Hardly any of the elven nobles believed that that's what would happen. So the uh, accusations started to fly thick and fast that Malekith had done this or uh, some other prince had done this. And it was at that moment uh, Malekith seized control. He, uh, no, The princes that were loyal to him fell on the other princes. I mean, they didn't trip. They fell and stabbed them. <laughs> Whoops, uh, what happened on the other accident? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and while this great chaos was uh, happening around the you know, inside and outside the shrine of Azurian, Malekith strides with purpose into the flame of Azurian uh, with a view of becoming the rightful Phoenix King. But we know what happens. Azurian rejected him wholeheartedly. <laughs> nope. And in the flame, he everything that was 
uh, evil burned but was not burned away. Uh, he came up against a wall of pain, the likes of which none of us hopefully will ever uh, endure. And instead of being able to push through that wall, he stumbled back uh, and he had entered this kind of lithe, handsome uh, elven prince and came out a charcoal briquette and fell to the ground. Um, with that, the forces of the the loyal forces of Malekith took up their kind of barbecued prince <laughs> and fled back to Nagrithi uh, with all haste, and thus started the great civil war of the elves. Oh. And that, gentlemen and gentlemen, and probably a fair few ladies, is where we will draw a veil for this episode. And this Shit is where the fun the begins, right? Yeah, this is, it's all coming together. Malekith. You, you've kind Again, of painted this tragic story of Malekith, whereas yeah. prior to this, it was very much like, oh, Malekith, Malekith excuse me, what a, what a dick. What a dick elf. He's yeah. just being a brat. But actually, yeah. He was all was, right. He was... He, was he all right? Could the things been different if his circumstances had been different, you know? Lots of questions well, yeah, for Chunks of still Dark, a Tier 2 patrons only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was still a douchebag, but he wasn't, he wasn't born evil. No. Sure. No was, one's born uh, evil. Which is the great sad tale mm. of, uh, of Malekith. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dudes. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Thoughts on the first couple of thousand years of, uh, of High Elves? So, Kral, I Mate. have a question for you. Yeah. If you have four chaos demons <laughs> you kill and two you chaos demons one. <laughs> how many chaos demons you lent one, one to a friend <laughs> and you killed another how many chaos demons do you have left <laughs> one uh, 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 uh. <laughs> was that your legitimate question uh yeah oh, yeah okay, fine. what's yeah. four oh, minus yes. three <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. I'm glad you were paying attention. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that was that was exactly as I expected it to be. Like it's full of. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like there was there was. Darren, you wasted was, your time. He he knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. There was. That's uh, always there was, that's. It's always great to see on a report card. As expected. <laughs> yeah. I roll. I didn't say whether it was good or bad. I, what, I, what I was going to then say it was, it was awesome. Uh, I, I mean, but it's the, the story of the elves is kind of, I, I expected it to kind of be full of like kind of competing high morals. And then, of course, then the kind of mirror image of that, which is the the, the beginning yeah. of the dark elves. So, yeah, like Atharian is is obviously a dude, um, little bit. Yeah, well, obviously he gets warped as well, though, doesn't he? So he Anarian, not not Eltharian, is someone else. Anarian, who's Eltharian? Eltharian is the the uh, prince of Barry. Okay, one and, who, who's, and who's Elrond the Paunch killed his dad. Elrond is a different <laughs> <Elrond>? story. <laughs> Elrond and work. which one is Pop? <laughs> right, sorry. So Elf, there's Eltharian and then Anarian. Anarian, Anarian yeah. Anarian, right. Okay, so Anarian and Kralador. is the king. And Kralador. And, Kral and Kralador. <laughs> Kralador. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, cool. 
Yeah, like it. It's uh, yeah, no, no. It was it was all like steady as she goes. High elves, this high elves, that. I feel things are just getting a little bit spicy now. Now that we're learning about like Malakith and the splintering of elven society, yeah. and things are going to get a lot more interesting now. Not that it wasn't interesting. I'm start, I, yeah, but like I'm starting to think Chris is a bit more of a dark elf now than uh, the thing is, the, and I think this is probably dwarf, well, I'm more of a chaos dwarf. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not an elf fan. No matter what IP or or, or story you look into, elves just like they put me off. They're either like really whimsical and longingly looking into the distance and talking in tongues and shit, and or they're stuck up <laughs> or they're both. You know. And I, I don't have time Love for it. either of those kind of character traits, and so bring Malekith. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, I think my my love of the elves is definitely more rooted in in you know the 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 Lord of the Rings or at least you know the the films portrayal. Yeah, you're an, of them you're an elf kind of fan, aren't graceful, yeah. graceful, and you know, and wise, and and you know, incredibly kind of nimble in combat. That's the, do you that's find that annoying I, that they're just like? the perfection they're just like the best of us they're like the the Great. it's what humans want want to be and aspire to be do you know does you know but, find that fucking annoying do you know what do, no, do you know what i love most about it is that you find it annoying That's <laughs> it really annoys me i'm just like how can you like them then they're, they're just... his favorite race out of spite yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. i can imagine yeah. i can imagine yeah. that's true <laughs> i just i wish that i was you know as righteous as they are, but they're yeah, it's something to aspire to. <laughs> right, I'm gonna. Right, let's run this bad boy out. Yeah, cool. Yep. Do it. Do it. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. Big thank you to all our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do this without you guys. You cover our costs and allow us more time planning content. If you're not part of this merry band, you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and you want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore and sign up today for as little as £3. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and chat with us directly and tell us what you think of Chris and his elf hatred. And there's an ever-growing pile of exclusive bonus content on there. We'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris knows and me. Until then, goodbye. See you later. Bye. Toodaloo.